Welcome to My Ed Expert, specializing in what's possible in education. By merging research, practice, and passion, we provide insights from top educational thought leaders for right now implementation. Now, here's your host, author Susie Pepper Rollins. I am so glad you joined us today. What will the future look like in our classrooms? What will teaching look like? What will learning for our kids look like? The future is our topic today. You know, we talk about closing gaps, and a lot of times we think that's our kids closing gaps, but the reality is we're going to have to look at some gaps we may have to close when we look at what the future is going to bring, the difference between where our schools are and where they need to be for the future. Because the landscape's changing, a shift to freelance work, contract work, part-time work, jobs being outsourced. So what's going to be expected of our kids when they graduate in the future, and how can we help get them prepared? We have the perfect guest today, Ryan Schaff. He's got a wonderful new book coming out called A Brief History of the Future of Education. I cannot wait to talk to him. How are you, Ryan? Good. Thanks for having me here, Susie. I appreciate the invite. Um, I love doing the first podcast episode with you uh, a while back, and I loved it so much. I'm back for round two. Well, you know what? I did too. I mentioned you a lot when I'm out speaking because we talk about reading. And I'll tell you, our first podcast, and I'll link this up for everybody, but one thing I will always take away from me is when you talked about the changes in our kids' brains from the cell phones and everything and how they're reading. You know, they're reading with the skim and scroll or whatever you call it. I've told so many people like that about that. It's so fascinating. So I'll, I'll link everybody up to that too. Okay. So Ryan, I'm going to tell you, I'm older than you. And when I was growing up, People got out of school, they got a job, they stayed with the company for 30 years, they built their nest egg, they retired and played golf. I don't see that happen anymore. What is the future like for our kids? Um, yeah, things have certainly changed, uh, you know, since, you know, our parents were um, going through their career cycles. But um, um, there's this famous line in the movie uh, Shawshank Redemption. You ever seen it? I love that movie. One of my favorites. Yeah. So Brooks, the the um, the elderly prisoner that was getting out of uh, jail after being incarcerated for you know over half of his life. I think it was like forty or fifty years he was in jail. And uh, as he's released, he he observes all the changes about town. He sees the motorized cars. Uh, he sees um, you know uh, just uh, all the busy streets. And he says this really powerful line, the world went and got itself in a big damn hurry. Um, the world is constantly on the move, and the modern-day workforce and industry changes almost instantly. Uh, technological innovations are powerful engines of change in all facets of our existence. Uh, the worldwide competition rewards the fast, swift, and smart, and punishes those that do not evolve and change. I am not an economist, but I would fathom that disruptive innovation, worldwide economic competition, weakening unions, and broadening of the middle class and the global core have caused this kind of change in our career cycles to where, um, to where nowadays uh, the skills that we learned in high school, the skills that may, we may have learned in college 20 years ago are no longer going to serve us uh, in the careers of today when a lot of jobs now <laughs> – uh, don't exist yet. In you know, in ten years, we'll have new jobs, we'll have new job titles and new ex- um, experiences um, to prepare for. So that type of you know learning, and then you're good for the rest of your life is just not. It, it's just no longer um, viable. It's about who can learn, unlearn, and relearn. 
Well, isn't that something? And you know, one thing I was reading in the uh, your, some of your information about your new book, which is uh, called "A Brief History of the Future of Education." I love that title. You talk about the creative class, and I I thought that was so fascinating. Can you ex- explain to everybody a little bit about this creative class? Sure. So it's taken from uh, Richard Florida, absolutely wonderful author. He has several books that really explores the uh, the rise of the creative class. Uh, if you try to categorize all the jobs uh, in uh, the modern-day workforce, you see that there's a lot of different – or even historically, too. You see that you know in the past, there was a lot of agricultural jobs, okay? Obviously, farms and raising you know cattle and all the other stuff. Um, you also see the service, uh, the service industry. You see um, – a lot of uh, a lot of the like routine cognitive types of um, of, uh, of of jobs that were out there, um, and you saw creative uh, creative jobs, those things that require designers and and creative skills and making something new and innovative. Um, if you and if you follow what Florida um, is, is examining here, he sees that there's a massive dip. And the amount of those jobs that really focus on routine cognitive skills, uh, the lawyers, um, because nowadays you you know data clerks they can just they can look it up online, they can automate it, they can use AI to actually um, study and figure out the law. Your your ta- your income taxes, which is now <laughs> this is like the perfect time of the year. This is this podcast will drop in January. Um, you're going to see people, uh, you know, rushing to do the income tax. Well, a lot of times it's now automated, or you know, people will do it themselves, or they'll contact somebody else. And chances are, you're not talking to somebody in the United States, or you may not even be talking to somebody who's actually a, a living, breathing soul. It could be actually something automated uh, when it comes to these types of expert. Uh, systems um, or artificial intelligence. Um, so you're starting to to see a, a great amount of that type of cognitive work being outsourced or offshored or even automated. Now, the class that's really seeing a boost in um, in growth is the creative class. These are the people, these are the designers, the artists, the artisans, the people that create, develop, and design new things. They solve the the new problems. Um, those types of of people, those types of jobs, are increasing because people that are offshore or you know people that are are in different countries uh or the even of course ai they they can't they don't really have that type of creative intelligence they don't have the ability to 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 design and create new things uh that's still really where the power lies when it comes to the economy is creating new things new innovations um new art uh new types of Output, I guess, is the best way to say it. Our new inventions, our new ideas, uh, those things are really um, powerful when it comes to the um, to humans, uh, and we that's really where it lives in the future with us. Well, so I'm excited about that because that gives me something to sort of wrap my mind around. Because in essence, what I can try to strive for is to help my students sort of go into that creative class, right? I mean. You know, to, to really be thinkers and creators and invent innovators. And one thing you talk about is you make a case that there, 
there are short life skills and long life skills. What's your, what's your, what, what, what does that mean? And then in schools, what are we primarily focusing on? Most of our time is spent on which one of those? Uh, short life skills. So short life skills are, and, and again, this is not, um, this is not me dismissing schools or trying to insult. Um, it's just really focused on um, the history and how schools have kind of stayed the same when it comes to their their institutional practices, their institutional culture uh, of how they just they're just very reluctant to change at times. At times, um, what. What I mean by short life skills are those are the ones that it really is based on really learning specific content or procedure, like discrete procedures. Uh, for instance, memorization of of, um, of content, memorization of facts, uh, or just even procedures. You know, you know how to you know simply how to read, how to write. And don't get me wrong; those are important. I'm not saying that we should just be dismissive of them. The problem is that if you go into schools, approximately about 80 to 85 percent of what you see in schools nowadays uh, is something that would be along the lines of routine cognitive work, things that could almost be replaced by machines, replaced by automation, or if you're going into the you know if you're going into the workforce, eventually. <laughs> Those types of skills will probably be done by somebody cheaper, or just be even automated. Is the is the pressure on what's driving that in your view? And I know that's a big question. And I will say this: I'm in buildings every week, and I'm seeing a I am seeing change. I'm seeing a lot of change where they're doing a lot more thinking and innovative and team leading. So I'm really encouraged about that where we're heading that in that path. But what's driving so much of the short life skills? Is it is it the testing? We're so worried about those tests that they're not going to know about the defeat of the Spanish Armada or or something like that. That we're is that driving it? It's that it's hyper information. We have so much information nowadays. I mean, we have so much information um, that if I were to write it down in books, um, and I and I would stack them up. Uh, these books, uh, if we took all the massive amounts of data in the world and wrote it down in a book and we actually, you know, would stack them, this would go beyond the moon. The stack of books would go beyond the moon. It would go beyond Mars. It would go to Pluto. And here's the thing. It would go to Pluto probably about 13 times, approximately 13 times, if we wrote down all the data that exists in the world at this moment. And the and the issue is, is that 90% of that data was created in the last 18 months. So this is the type of hyper-information that uh, I mention a lot, quite, uh, you know, quite often with my co-author, um, Ian Jukes, is that there's just so much information out there that nobody really can come, become the expert and memorize all of these different facts to where they're almost like a walking, you know, encyclopedia. What we do is we augment our, our minds with tools that can guide us and help us to sift through all of that information to create and generate knowledge. Um, so in schools, which by all means, they still need to teach content. They still need to teach that, but the main focus cannot be on that. And the issue with the standardized testing is uh, what you're mentioning is standardized tests are very good at measuring those type, that type of information, that type of just facts and that type of procedural um, you know, learning. It's very good at doing that. 
but it's it's uh, unfortunately it's not very good at measuring uh, you know creativity. It's not very good at measuring other types of aspects that are important. Those those um, those long life skills um, and just to kind of you know I think I've kind of established what short life skills are now. But the long life skills are those things that our children that are learning in our schools now they'll be using until the time they retire, uh, whenever they end up retiring. Um, those are the skills that are like the problem solving, the communication skills, the creativity skills, um, the agility, the adaptability, the, uh, the, you know, the way to like reinvent yourself. And also the um, other practices such as you know, becoming a lifelong learner to where they understand that what they know now isn't, might not serve them in five or ten years. What they know now is going to just serve them in the here and the now but they have to constantly be learners for the rest of their lives. That's very um, helpful the way you broke that down in, with the two of those, those short life. And um, and so one thing you also mentioned is survival skills for students. And when I was looking at the list that you had, and you mentioned a couple of authors there, and they overlap some, what I was struck by is that those lists are a lot of what you're going to see on surveys of employers, what they're looking for in applicants right now. So I was amazed by how these are overlapping. So we can't talk about all of them, but could you give us some of the things on your list that are survival skills for students? And we want to re- really hone in on these. Sure. So this list I, I took from Tony Wagner and Tony Wagner is an absolutely phenomenal author uh, he is an educational researcher. He is a um, Harvard professor. Um, his writing, uh, his book, Global Achievement Gap, um, uh, just really kind of um, aligns with all the views of myself and my co-author. Um, some of these survival skills, with some of the things I even mentioned that we are very passionate about talking about trying to uh, shift education to really focus on. Um, so there's critical thinking uh, and and problem, uh, and of course, problem solving, being able to solve problems, um, and even, and even have the step by step processes in our heads on how to solve any type of problem. Um, and you know, you can solve or you can attempt to solve any problem by going through these types of mental processes. There's, of course, collaboration across networks and leading by influence to where you can work with your group, a group that you're very comfortable with, you have roles, you have responsibilities, but also then being able to work in other types of um, environments to where sometimes you work face-to-face, sometimes you work virtually, sometimes you work in a mixed group that has both face-to-face and online um, colleagues um, uh, and um, you know, agility and adaptability. I'd mentioned that how our jobs, how our workforce is constantly changing, how our children now, or even the people that are currently in the industry, a lot of them uh, have to change uh, careers many, many different times. Uh, you know, I've seen instances where they have to change jobs anywhere from ten to seventeen times, and I'm not, and I mean careers actually, not even jobs. So, um, and those are a lot of times you think about somebody jumping from career to career that they're like slackers or they're worthless or something along the lines of that. And on the contrary, they're just reinventing themselves. They're climbing up. They're climbing up their, um, they're, they're climbing up each, um, step, each part of the ladder. So that this way they can ascend and they can, boost their career. They can learn, they can adapt. They can also work to be their own boss too. 
that's a mindset change because when again going back to when you know when I was growing up and and early adulthood I think it was seen almost had a negative connotation if you kept changing careers. Like you almost were seen as being indecisive or get your act together. You know what I mean? But, but what I'm hearing from you and what I'm seeing around me is that, that, and I love the way you keep coming back to adaptability because that is how, if I had to wrap all this around it, that seems like one of the main things we need to work, be working with our kids is, is adaptability and problem solving and all those kinds of things. Now, I, before I forget, I want to mention where people can find you, Ryan. What is your website, your, tw- your Twitter, whatever you want to give? Uh, so there is, um, so I'm on Twitter. It's, uh, Ryan L. Schaff. Uh, you can just visit, uh, visit me anytime. Um, I'm actually in between professional web pages at the moment <laughs> to develop my own. Um, I was supposed to do it over uh, January break and unfortunately haven't gotten to it. Um, but I am on um, Amazon Author Central, so you can look up my name and you'll find all the books uh, curated that I sell through Amazon. Um, so those are probably your best bet. But you can also contact me um, through email and it's r. S-C-H-A-A-F at N as in no, D as in dog, M as in man, dot E-D-U. Um, and I love to correspond and talk to anybody. And, and Ryan's bio is on Myad Expert. And if you have trouble finding him, you can always click the contact button to us and we'll track him down. How's that? So we'll, we'll find Ryan for you at that one. Okay, let's talk about teachers of the future because – it's going to look different. The classrooms are going to look different. Learning's going to look different. Uh, what what is it? What's what's teaching going to look like in the future? Um, it's going to be it's going to be very exciting. Uh, I think there is absolutely change. You had mentioned that you're seeing a lot of change in schools, and I am too. Went to I went to uh, visit a high school um, to help uh, some of the uh, uh, local teachers. Uh, to create, uh, they had to create videos for some awards that they are um, nominated for. And I go and I see uh, students working with 3D printers and developing all these, you know, these, these really cool um, types of projects. And it's not just because they say, oh, build this or create this. It's, they have like real world application behind them. You know, uh, they were creating at the moment, they're creating, um, uh, fabricated pieces uh, for uh, a ma- like a massive like they were prototyping at the moment, um, developing. I, th- I believe it was something to actually um, improve the functionality of doors, which I thought was great. I didn't actually get to see an end product because they were still working and designing it. But here they are using all the tools of the industry. Um, I got to talk to two young ladies. Uh, who had just won an engineering challenge through um, the 3D printer company uh, that was sponsoring them. They built this beautiful trophy, uh, actually designed it, created it, and, and constructed, fabricated it, constructed. They had to prototype it several times, and it looked, it looked phenomenal. Uh, it, you know, and this is 3D printed. This is something that they took medium and they made, in, they took um, filament, they took that material and they made it into a beautiful trophy. To the point to where they're considered, you know, they're fast tracked. Once they they leave school, they're fast tracked, and th- these companies are very interested in them, uh, and they're you know to where they're spotlighting them right now. That that really just and those stories are starting to to really gain traction. I'm starting to hear a lot more. So it's not, not I'm not trying to ridicule schools. Not at all. It's not what I'm seeing. I still see a lot of passion in educators. I see students that are hungry to learn. Um, it's just we have to understand that 
the way that we structured our schools goes back to almost a hundred years ago to before you know before women could vote you know when there's model T's out on the driveway that's really about the structure of school okay so um, when it comes to the future of education how we think about educators now is like there's some big ideas that we really want to get across in the book um, and these roles are like changes in roles. It's not like you're completely like teachers are going to be uh, going extinct. Not at all. They're just they're. It's, it's actually exciting. It's it's evolving. The job is evolving because learning is really evolving. Um, the first one, educators must use technology as a learning tool. A lot of times when you go into uh, classrooms, you see. Teachers extremely proud of using technologies uh, with their students. Um, sometimes they're doing excellent projects where they're building, they're creating, they're developing, uh, and it's it's quite exciting. Other times it's more procedural. It's that they're kind of replacing a tool with another tool. They're using technology for te- technology's sake. There's a lot of there's a lot of trouble to understand what's the relative advantage to using uh, the technology. They're just, they're just using it for the glitz and the glamour. Um, and students can kind of see through that. Um, so the best thing to do is use technology when it is appropriate, when it's going to benefit uh, the students. Um, you know, I'm still a big proponent that, you know, what's the best way to, you know, uh, put a nail into the wall, you can use a hammer, uh, you know, or, or a nail gun. That's fine. But I'm not going to use something that, um, you know, I'm not going to use like the bottom of my shoe. It, it's it's about finding the tool that will do what you're trying to do. And um, then, so that's step okay. one. And, uh, and then go ahead. And so what it's guiding me to is I'm listening to kind of everything as a whole Definitely teaching is more of a in a facilitative role in, in many capacities rather than pushing yes. information out, sort of. Correct. It's teachers, and this kind of adds into one of the other elements, um, and that is that teachers really just need to get out of the way. They need to become facilitators of the learning, uh, not what I call the sages on the stage. And it's a popular saying, and, and it's not saying that all direct instruction and lecture is bad. It's just it should be done on a small dose. Your students are really the ones that are there to learn. They know that you're smart already as a teacher, okay? What you need to do is help them to understand how smart they are. They're the ones that are on stage. They're the ones that are the most important thing, the most important aspect to the school. So what you want to do is you want to craft experiences to where they have to solve these problems, to where they have to demonstrate the knowledge that you've taught, that you help them to teach. It's all about them. It's not about us. Um, we are just the facilitators, the crafters of their learning experiences. Um, we need to put them first and us second. So the big question here is for me, yeah, you know, these are these are pretty major changes we're talking about. Where do we start? And and I'm 
I'm as you're I'm making notes as you're talking. Part of it to me, one of the challenges, and you chime in and tell me where I'm, I'm right, wrong, off base on this, is what's our balance between those short life skills and those long life skills? Because students need to know what an adverb is. They need to be able to simplify a fraction, right? So where's the balance there? How to shift from that role? And I'm seeing more, I'm seeing less and less of it. I mean, I know we're always talking about teacher talk and the ratio. I'm seeing a lot of improvements on there. How I look at it is, what do I need to teach you and what can I let you discover on your own? I mean, how much do I need to give? And that's going to vary by class and student to let them go and explore. Um, and then these, and the still these skills, these thought provoking and thinking skills in students. So where do you think we start in making these changes? Is it in teacher prep? Is it in each building? Is it in district? Is it states? Is it where? Help us out. Uh, yes. All the above. <laughs> it's just, yeah, it's all the above. It's, it's yes. I mean, teacher preparation and, and you, it's very easy to say, well, do it this way. But we have to understand is we may have um, teachers that we may have twenty two year old teachers that are teaching like uh, somebody that that's already been in the career for thirty years. It all depends on the people that are mentoring and teaching them. If they're going to come out with a like a pedagogical knowledge um, that is from thirty years ago, that's how they're going to continue to teach, or they're going to have to reteach themselves. Um, the main focus, the main like way to do a change is understand that you don't have to change overnight. Um, the things that you're doing right now aren't considered to be like um, like detrimental to the students. But what we have to do is, as educators, we have to become more future focused. We can't just think of lesson to lesson. We can't just think of this this um, instructional task to this instructional task, from this strategy to this strategy. We have to have more of a future focus, okay? We have to think more into the future about what my students need in 10 or 15 or 20 years. Um, so, yes, you're right. They do need to know what an adverb is. They do need to know all that concept. That's why I've, I make sure to say when it comes to content, content is not bad. They must learn content. But that is to do something, to see what is the real-world application of this content. When will I ever need to know this? I'm sure you all, we've all heard this. When are we ever going to use this in real life? How about today? <laughs> That's exactly. what we have to do is, is, is apply that. I'm, I'm totally on board with that. I'm so excited about what you're doing. And I'm, now, when does this new book come out? February 1st? When does your book come out? It actually is – so there's a couple things. So Amazon, I think it comes out through Amazon like February 1st. Okay. I'm getting my very first books. I have a um, conference uh, in Florida, the FETC conference. It's probably, I think, the second biggest technology conference um, uh, in the uh, continental United States. I, if, if I'm wrong, somebody can, can kindly tell me. Uh, I think it's only second to ISTE. Um, the publisher is actually sending it from the warehouse to my hotel, so this way I could get it a little early, so I can actually do kind of like a um, uh, a pre-release kind of uh, sale or sharing with the uh, people in FETC. So, if you're going to that conference, track Ryan down. Yep, they're giving me okay. about only twenty <laughs> copies. I'm gonna I'm gonna try and give some away, so this way, you know, as as some sort of prize or something like that. Yeah, a, pr- a prize. Uh, Yep, they're doing a they're doing a meet the author type of uh, event. So I actually have to I have to take my a bunch of books and and pack them into a suitcase so I could take them with me. So uh, I'll be selling three books there. Um, well, that sounds or exciting. three types of books. Yeah. 
Well, that's that's exciting. Well, I'm going to wrap up a little bit, and then you tell me our next day takeaways. Because, gosh, I just learned so much about this, and I think if I had to wrap it up, it's our students are facing a different world. They're those jobs that we grew up with, even gosh, five years ago, and and even your analogy about. Being a bookkeeper, that's changing because anything that can be replaced with technology or outsourced, people are doing more freelance. We have to, we need, and I love this focus on short life skills, long life skills, how to create creative problem solvers, collaborators, and the rise of this creative class. And I want my students to be a part of that creative class. So give us a couple of takeaways, Ryan, that you'd like our teachers and and leaders to leave with today. All right. So, the uh and inside the book too is like i'm a big proponent of like what are the things that i can i can use on monday when i enter my classroom um those types of things are quite extensively explored throughout the book i don't i don't want to just start to give a lot of these examples because there's over 200 strategies in the book um oh, wow. stories about what people have done and how it kind of demonstrates what we're talking about when it comes to all the different things the uh the future of learning the future of um, the role of educators, how the, the role of educators are going to change, uh, how our, our learners are now learning. So it's actually we explore the learning attributes of the digital generation, um, and we also explore the, the um, essential next generation uh, skills that uh, educators need to um, work into their curriculums. Uh, this, these are those, those long life skills that they're going to be using throughout their entire career. Um, so the, that's the massive takeaway is that the book is going to co- contain almost like the, the roadmap to start to change. Um, understand this is that your school, uh, you know, the structure of schools has been around for for decades. You know, the, the structure and, and the practices and the culture of, of our schools were meant to serve um, like the factory model. Okay, it was meant to create students that are a one-size-fit-all student. We know that we teach a, a very diverse student population. So each student is important. So we have to try and personalize and customize learning. And now we're starting to explore how we do that. And that's the exciting part is how can we customize learning to each student. And that I think that's going to be really be one of the really big things that uh, the field of education is going to try and embrace over the next few years. This way, your student will learn the way that they want to learn, and they'll start to take that student ownership to where I'll learn what is required of me, but I'm going to learn it the way I want to learn it, uh, which really just gets me it gets me excited. Um, just understand this. That there's constantly going to be a lot of change. You know, we, we call it disruptive innovation where things change, and it's almost it, – it changes, and there might be two changes that before you even realize that there was a change originally. So we're constantly going through disruptive innovation, and it's going to constantly be causing all of these changes in our society. If we focus on those long-term skills and we help to um, develop these skills in our students, they're going to be prepared for the many different careers and many different jobs they're going to have throughout um, their lifetimes to where they'll thrive. Uh, so it's not just about being successful in their job, but they'll thrive in their life. Well, yay, I'm on board with that. And uh, I'm so glad you joined us today. And uh, guys, Ryan and I do not want to close this podcast without thanking every educator out there, 
all the great work you do in your classrooms every single day. Join us every Wednesday for a podcast with an educational thought leader, just like Ryan Schaff. Thanks so much for joining us. We are so glad you joined us on this episode of My Ed Expert. For more resources on the ever-evolving realm of education, head on over to myedexpert.com and get inspired by all of our author's work through downloads, strategies, and best practices. While you're there, hop on to get updates right to your inbox because you don't want to miss a thing right here on My Ed Expert.